Greetings, heavyweight listeners. This week, I got the chance to interview Esther Perel, who hosts one of my favorite podcasts, Where Should We Begin? It's a show that bravely dives into people's most intimate, vulnerable moments, and I'm excited to share it with you. Where Should We Begin brings you inside the therapist's office as Esther helps couples work through their problems. But before we begin playing an episode, I chat with the renowned couples therapist herself about taking therapy out of the office and into our collective ear holes. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Heavyweight. But for now, lie down on the nearest couch and let the sweet dulcet sounds of healing flow over you like a sonic weighted blanket. I am Esther Perel. I am a psychotherapist, um, cross-cultural therapist and couples therapist. And I am the host and executive producer for the podcast, Where Should We Begin?, as well as the new podcast coming out soon, Housework. I was going to try to trick you into giving me free therapy. <laughs> you don't have um, to trick me. <laughs> <laughs> we can try a session, you and I, and we'll know. Oh, boy, I would love that. I find like in every one of the episodes that you do, even if the range of experience that it addresses or the kinds of people that, that you have on, I always feel like I can relate to every single one of them. The common denominator among them, it seems, is that uh, you make them feel safe enough that they can be so honest and so vulnerable. I think that when you say, you know, even when it's not your particular story, you still connect, that is what I have heard over and over. And it is an honor to, to have that. It really, it, it's something I had never even decided as a goal. Hmm. But I knew when I said it would be an interesting thing to do. I've always thought that couples therapy was the best theater in town. Hmm. And I knew it was gripping, but I didn't know how to bring those stories out of the room. Because the therapeutic space, you know, one thinks of as being uh, sealed off from everything else. And mm -hmm. to open it up and to place microphones on people is, is quite, quite a big conceptual leap. And I'm just wondering, like, if, if that was something that you wrestled with. When you train as a couples and family therapist, you record sessions, you videotape sessions. When you train, you train often behind a one-way mirror with the team watching you work with the family and being able to directly comment on your work. So that piece actually is not new to me. Do, do, you, uh, do you ever find yourself growing emotional during a session or afterwards? All the time. First of all, I feel a lot in sessions. Yeah. Um, I cry with patients. Huh. I laugh with them. You know, what I love about the show, too, is that it's so deep and serious, and yet there is such an element of play to it. You know, there's always a moment in each session where there is laughter. It's crucial. Yeah. One of my teachers, way back when, said to me, if they can't laugh, if there's no humor left, you have the writing on the wall. Yeah. It always stayed with me. I don't even know if it's totally true, but man, do I go looking for people's ability to laugh. Um, the thing that I aspire towards on Heavyweight is to allow the people that need to have the conversation with one another to have that conversation. And I feel like I've done something good when I can just step back and they forget about me. And, right. I, and I wonder, you must see this at the beginning of sessions where each person is talking to you rather than to each other because it's so hard sometimes to talk to one another. I spend many, many moments in the session just saying, talk to him, talk to her, turn to each other. You can tell me anything you want. 
but you need to be able to reach each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But you want a trick? I'll teach you how to make people talk to each other. You look at the lint on your socks. If you look down, their eyes are gazing for an anchor, and then they will look at each other much more than if you look at them, hmm. then they look at you. Hmm. Look down, look away. That's good advice. Yeah. And the episode that we're going to be hearing, uh, couple number five, Monique and Monique's mother. This is an episode that's actually very, very dear to me. It is a mother, a wonderful mother with two children. And one child is uh, rather severely uh, autistic. And the other child is what is actually often called in the literature, the other child. Hmm. What happens in a family when one child demands a lot more attention because they are ill or because they are not as abled. And what happens to the relationship between the parent and the other children in such a family? There's a moment at the end of the episode where you... It's sort of like the um, like the acme of what you do so well, where you you create a safe space for people, where you give them the permission to uh, share their feelings with the people that they need to. I'll just say that at the end, mm-hmm. you walk out of the room right. and you allow them to just be with one another. Did that feel risky? You know, like obviously it felt like the right move and it was the right move, but it's also very bold. I will start with where you say I create a safe space. I do in some way create a safe space, but I create a space for people to take risks. I create a place for people to go beyond their comfort zone. Therapy for me, and especially couples and family therapy, it is an enactment. People come in order to have a new experience. They don't have to come in order to repeat what they do at home. So here is this mother and her child who are having a conversation for the first time where the child tells the mother, you know, you were such a pusher and you were such an optimist. But as a result, there has never been a place for me to be sad. And it was such an intimate, beautiful moment. I really wasn't needed. You need to know when to leave. Mm -hmm. This is the art of therapy too, is when do you step in? When are you central? When do you intervene? And when do you step back? And when do you trust the process? And you believe that these people have it in them and they're doing it perfectly fine without you. Now get out. Hmm. Yeah. I I just want to tell you that I I love your show and I'm and I love what you do and I'm so thankful for it and I'm Same so me, uh, honored <laughs> to to get to talk to you and to um to maybe introduce the show to people who haven't heard it yet. It's a pleasure. This Audible original series contains mature themes. Listener discretion is advised. None of the couples featured are ongoing clients of Esther Perel. For the purposes of maintaining their confidentiality, names and some identifiable characteristics have been removed. But their voices and their stories are real. Couple five, Mom and Monique. I really love my mom so much. She's an amazing woman. And yet, I have such a difficult time feeling close to her. And it's been like that since I was a kid. This is a family of three. 
a mother, a 29-year-old son with special needs who lives with the mother, and Monique, a 28-year-old other child who lives separately. And the session is between the mother and Monique. Uh, Monique is a very sensitive individual. And to me, it seemed like she didn't trust me. Now I see that she just didn't have the tools to really find a way to communicate. And so our relationship has suffered in that way. I have a, a brother who's on the spectrum, and that's like really affected in our family, the way we communicate our emotions. Um, as a kid, it makes you feel like you're it, like you are your parents rock and not because you can be but because you have to be you have to be that when I think about the relationship between mother and Monique it is the relationship between a parent and the other child and in this instance the other child is not the special needs child which is the situation of the brother it is the child who lives in the shadow of a sibling who needs a lot and who takes up a lot of the attention, a lot of the resources, a lot of the time and a lot of the protection, leaving the other child to their own devices, having to grow up very fast, having to become often needless because there is just no room for another one who needs so much more from mom. There is a price. And in the session, we will discover what that price is. This is Where Should We Begin with Esther Perel. I love my mom and I want to deepen that relationship. Mm -hmm. And Um, mom was immediately... Oh, mom, do you want to say how you reacted to it initially? I I told Monique, uh, my interest is to support you, and uh, and I know how much this means, and I want to be part of it, but it's helping to realize a dream of Monique to meet you. And but I you know what's yeah, interesting? Yeah. When I read Monique's interview, mm. there was very little about meeting me. Mm. Actually, there was nothing about Mm. meeting me. There Mm. was all about meeting you Mm. and having a different meeting with you. Mm. First of all, you're a massively impressive woman, (laughs) mom. The way you take on institutions, the way that you got the system to help you, even if the system doesn't always want to help. Um, the way you supported your children, each one with their respective needs, the way you've done it all by yourself. Massive. yes. You have been so resourceful and so yeah. resilient. Yeah. And the way that you then give back, you're fearless. I, I have an obligation. The more I get, the more I have to give. I mean, I know the challenges have been there always, but at the same time... Um, when I said, you know, there's one place that I saw to be the match for Monique, 
And this school was like $60,000 a year tuition. And, and I said, you know, I won't ask for anything else if I can just get this to happen. And it took two years, mm-hmm. but we got it. That school saved a my life. A partnership. Right? It did. And I knew it because I saw, like, what the public school was doing. Mm-hmm. And as much as, like, saying, you know, you're traumatizing my child, you're making Monique wrong for things that are inherited. Mm-hmm. But I know that... Where did you get that wisdom? You know, it, it's Where just... Where did you get your wisdom? I, I think it's that passion and love that comes from loving your child and seeing that the world is no, but not... But you have love and wisdom. Where did you get your wisdom and your fierceness? I think it's been my upraising. You know, I lost my father when, he was, when I was six. And my mother had learning disabilities, had developmental disabilities that I did not grow up knowing, that I didn't realize the scope of it until I had my own. Can I ask you what just moved you when mom was talking? Oh, just because I, I think the older that we both got, I think this happens more. But I think when I grew up, it was very rare. Mm. It's very rare to see you cry. Mm. It's very rare to see you say I'm tired. It was mm. very rare to mm. see you say I'm sick. Mm. And I feel like the mm-hmm. older we get, mm-hmm. the more you're willing to tell mm-hmm. me. It was the other day on the phone, the other yeah. day on the phone. Mm-hmm. We were talking, and it's the first time I've ever heard you I'm say that. Very so you're very, very pleased I'm to very... see mom cry right now. It's, it's, it's relief to see mom cry. It's a good word, please, by the way. Yeah. It may be that, but it's also so... Um, scary, I think. I think it's scary to see someone who, you know, I still have an inner child. I still have an inner, like, nine- or five-year-old in me that still sees you as, like, the hero, the unbreakable one, the one that is always going to fix my problems, the one that always knows what to do, the one that's always going to save me or save my brother. Like, you're it, you're that. And to see you get older and to realize that, you know, you're, more, you're much more complex, you're much more human, and and part of that is being tired, and part of that is not always knowing, and part of that is is, is pain, and 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 you are that to me, and yet you're you're you you can't be. In all parent-child relationship, there is a developmental arc. The child grows up and gradually becomes stronger. The parent continues to grow and becomes older and becomes gradually more fragile and more vulnerable. The child wants the parent to see them as stronger, but the child struggles sometimes to see the parent as becoming more fragile. Because if the parent becomes more brittle or more vulnerable, maybe they won't be able to be there. And so life and death are constantly in the background of any living relationship. I get frustrated and I love him so much and yet I'm so angry. I'm so angry and I grew up feeling so angry with the way that we had to grow up and the fact that it was not his fault. It's not his, it's not his fault. And yet it was always about him. It pains me when I realize when I go back to having this, my little girl who was needing time 
And I couldn't be there a lot of times because I always had to contain, help him contain. And What does he have? He's autistic. And I was told he would never speak, he would never mm -hmm. learn, you know, that I needed to put him in an institution. And you defied all of that. And I, <laughs> and I said, no, he is whole, complete, and nothing lacking. And uh, we're going to move through it, and we're going to do everything necessary to provide him the quality of life. But, you know, after when I, when I learned about Monique's challenges, I knew that he was only in our lives because through everything that he gave me to learn, I was able to know what to do for Monique. I, and, and that's what he's been. He's been the best learning source. Yeah, yeah. What I understand, tell me yeah. if, I, yeah. if I grasp this, is yeah. that I think you find yourself, Monique, sometimes in a pickle. <laughs> because when you watch mom, you admire her, you're thankful, and yet you missed her. But on the same, at the same time, she gave you so much. So how can I miss her? I should just be appreciative. But I do have feelings of things I miss, but I don't feel like I have the right to tell her that I miss them because she was so taxed. And so I have no right to be upset, but I can't be angry because I love him. Of course, we are angry at people we love and we are angry at the situation, even if we also appreciate what happened. It's a combination of things, but for you, it becomes a pickle. It's like a pretzel, you know? I feel this, but I don't have a right to feel this. And then I'm angry at myself for feeling this. And then I feel self-pity because I feel that I should be able the right to feel it and I deserve to have those feelings but no I can't really have those feelings <laughs> now put this in your own words <laughs> something like this something like this all right how to quote <laughs> no, not, and, not and, too bad for what the 20 minutes annoying me not too bad you know <laughs> and, and and for me it's that guilt of always saying oh baby don't cry don't cry it's gonna upset your brother yeah you know and always always like but oh. in the background of all of those moments was, I'm going to come for you, and then five minutes later, I'm so sorry. I have to go to the other room. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. the boy the boy is going to throw himself against the wall. Yeah, yeah. Or he's going to dart yeah. out, yeah. and I'm going to be chasing him for yeah. three blocks and yeah. trying to contain it so that the other one would not explode. Is it still like that today? No. 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 Can, he, it, can you leave him alone? Mm. We can, yeah, we can, we can. Without worrying, without what? constant. Are you living together, the three of you? No. No, not anymore, thank God. I love my mom, I love my brother so much, but you I honestly... You don't have to say it every <laughs> sentence. You see, that's part of what happens, is that you, before you say, I did something for me, you have to justify, as if you can't have the normal developmental... I feel like a shitty person. Why? Well, the normal developmental story would say at some point you're going to move out. Yeah. But you introduce it by qualifying. When in fact, you don't have to justify anything. It's part of growing up. I don't know why I'm so angry you saying that. Tell me. I don't know. I get so angry. My, my thing is anger. I, I don't know. I, I feel... When anger talks, what does it say? 
Can I hear it? Mm. Can we hear it? Mm. We're, we're, we're grown-ups here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, sometimes we're not sure how well the police will work. Mm. So we fear that if we let it out, it's going to burst out and it's never going to stop. Just that one. Um, my anger is just, no, you don't get it. You're not understanding. You don't get it. You don't understand. Me. And that's you or anybody, my own therapist or my mom or, you know, I grew up not letting myself feel the anger that I did towards my mom, not letting myself feel the anger that I did towards my brother. And I finally realized, okay, I, I've been angry for 21 years. I've been angry for 21 years at my mom. I've been angry for 21 years at my brother. And I don't let myself feel angry because anger feels like a betrayal. It feels like I'm betraying the people that I love. It feels like if I That's would, the pickle. That's the pickle, is it feels like betrayal. You know how quick I say no to him when he wants something? Like that. Sometimes it's something totally reasonable and it's okay. And my first thing is no. Because I feel like you didn't do that. So I feel like I had to do it. Meaning mom didn't put any limits on him? That's the feeling. That's what mm -hmm. you So I felt like I grew up feeling like I was the second parent. That whole thing where, where, where it's like, you're my kid and I'm going to treat you like my kid, but also you're the second parent. And so you watch him and you take care of him and you, and feeling the confusion of like, okay, I'm, you know, I felt like I had to be dad. That was me. Yeah. And I felt the and pressure relates, of being dad. And he relates to you as mom. Yeah, all the time. He's always, so he's like, oh, I'm sorry, mom. I mean, Monique. Mm -hmm. Always. All the time. Always. And he always says, these are my parents. <laughs> when, <laughs> That's he, when he introduces That's us, he says, these are my parents. Mm -hmm. Does he get your pronoun right? Mm -hmm. He is, he gets it right. But it, it's been a struggle for both of you. Yes, it's been he a He gets real. it right out of, I know that upsets Monique, and so I'm not going to say it which I feel like is how most people get my pronoun right. I know that's going to upset Monique, so I'm not going to say it, which is not, that's not, that's not the story. That's not why. Mm -hmm. That's not what it is. It's not some word. God, this pisses me off so much. That it's not some word to like not say. It's if you really see me as who I am, I am many things. I have many genders, and I am genderless, and I flow between those. And if you see me as just Monique, then you understand that Monique is the only way to address that. Monique is me. Monique grew up as the daughter of her mother and the sister of her brother. And at some point, Monique decided to take apart the categories from daughter to child, from sister to sibling. Monique was Monique. Not a she, not a he, not a they. The relationships stand. The categories change. And Monique gave us the permission to use the name Monique as the all-encompassing reference and pronoun. I like when you say you don't get it. I wouldn't presume to get it as I don't know you. And I don't 
mind for a moment the fact that that makes you angry. Because there's a part of you, I imagine, that feels that you've held so much in, nobody can get it. Because even you haven't seen the magnitude of it. And the issue is not that you're angry. The issue is that you don't allow yourself to be angry. And so it becomes very choking inside. At some point you can't breathe. And then on top of it, you can't be angry because how can you be angry at something that happened to someone that is not their fault? And then you can't be angry at mom because you see mom and how hard she struggled and, and tried. And, you know. and then if mom doesn't cry and if mom doesn't ever say I'm tired or let you in on the fact that it's a lot, then you can't have those feelings either. Mm. If mom won't allow herself to have those feelings, then you can't have them. So it's very good when mom shows mm. her vulnerability, when mom tells me I mm. fought for it and cries at the same time as she says it, because then if mom allows herself those feelings, then she will be more receptive when you have them too. You would think. You would think she would be. Mm -hmm. And? And I don't feel like that. I feel like... Like she needs you to be strong all the time as well? Sometimes I feel like I tell you that I'm sad and then your go-to is, well, don't focus on that. You should be focusing on this and you have so much and, 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 and you know, I, I can see the value in that. But sometimes I just want, I'm angry, I feel sad, and then, oh, you're angry and you feel sad. Okay. I feel like the root of it is like, if I'm sad, if my child is sad, if my child feels that depressed, if my child feels that, that, that anger or that much pain, then I as a parent must have done something wrong or I failed somehow because I fought this much and I, and I fought for this long for my child to be happy and for my child to, to feel, feel empowered and to be happy. And if my child is not that way, then I did something. Is that That's what it feels like. Mm. Is that what it is? No, I, I'm relating to what Monique is saying in terms of I am an optimist. But then it makes me feel like I have to hold all the sad feelings. Like I'm the key, like I'm the gatekeeper. I'm the gatekeeper of all the pain and the gatekeeper of all the sadness. Now, I was relating to what you were saying in terms of you coming and saying what you're feeling and me wanting to always go to the solution. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's and what I was relating to. do you know what she's to. asking you? Monique is asking you. Yeah. Pardon. Thank you. <sighs> yeah. What Monique yeah. is asking you. For Monique to be in her own Monique's own Monique's <laughs> feelings about how Monique is feeling and not about me trying to solve it. What would you say makes it difficult for you? Because what you're saying is I'm different and that doesn't make it difficult. That just means you're different. What makes it difficult for you to give her... Give Monique. Is, is, no, it's, no, it's, I, I, it, you're absolutely right. And I, I can see the training I'm going to need. I'll, I'll give myself a few more minutes. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's okay. I'm going to learn it. When Monique talks to you, and what Monique wants is 
more than anything, a recognition and a permission to feel whatever Monique feels. Monique isn't asking you to do anything, though recognition is a massive doing. Permission is a massive doing. On some level, Monique says, maybe it's difficult for you because if Monique feels sad, you feel responsible for it as if you didn't do enough of a good job. I don't think it's that. No. Right. No. No. For me, it's about, let me put a band-aid on it. This is what's worked for me. I don't want to be in the sad place because if I open the floodgates, it's so enormous. That's what makes it difficult. Yes. Right. And so what's worked for me is let me find the solution. And so that way I don't have to wallow in the, in the space of sadness because I'll be too weak to stand up again. And mm. this is a long haul, which is the reason why for years I would not say I'm tired ever. I understand. And lately I allowed myself to say that, and guess what? I'm tired. <laughs> When the mother speaks about the long haul, it is the long haul of living with a special needs child, of a husband who left when Monique was three, of having no family in this country, of being an immigrant, of having to do it all by herself. I feel the weight, the sacrifice. But I also know that only when you can say, I'm tired, can you actually get the energy to get back up and not the other way around. You are listening to Where Should We Begin with Esther Perel. We'll be back in a minute. Now, back to Where Should We Begin with Esther Perel. If I need to be strong, I gotta be strong all the time because if I let a slight bend, then I'm going to break. At the same time, you're not the same person, the two of you. Mm -hmm. And so you're saying to Monique, when you come to me with your sadness, I can't let it be because if it touches mine, I'm too afraid of my own. That's why I can't be available for yours. But then Monique says... I don't have my own feelings because he borrows his feelings from me. With mom, I can't have my own feelings because she gets too scared that mine would trigger hers. And then I get angry because even though I love these people deeply, I need to feel that there is room for me to have my own interior life without one of them 
closing it off and the other one entering it in to the point where we become one. Yes, that, yes, he borrows my feelings, yeah. yes. Yeah. He has There's no room for me. He has a difficult yes, time even that. finding where where Monique begins and where he begins. And where he's like so... But the same thing happens with you. He's so... Mom, the same thing happens with you, that it becomes unclear where you stop and where she starts, where Monique starts. At least this one I caught myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I will... Uh, it is. It is a. It is a, a translation. You know. It's, yeah. I totally. It's, yeah. Totally. It, uh, totally. It's good that it's, I get to practice it myself because I see that um, we are all binary brainwashed. Yes, we are. <laughs> so when Monique comes to you and Monique says, "I'm upset." Yeah. If we can create some space, some psychological space between Monique and you, to the point where you can make room for Monique without instantly taking it on mm. and having Monique's sadness run the risk of triggering your sadness, which you can't allow yourself to connect with. I fully get it. If I let that feeling come in, it will break me and I won't have the strength to do all what is expected from me to do. Mm -hmm. On the other end, that's the fear of many strong people. Mm -hmm. And yet when you look at Monique, do you think Monique is strong? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And Monique feels. Yes. So Monique is living example that it's not necessarily that if a feeling comes in, the whole structure unravels. Mm. You think I'm strong? Mm-hmm. You don't know that? No. <laughs> Okay, Mom, can you say it again? I do believe you're strong. <laughs> say more. I think you're strong. I think you're capable. I think you're brilliant. Is it okay if I give you, you a hug? <laughs> I feel like this is so rare. Shh, to just take it in then if it's so rare. <laughs> and just breathe, that's it. It's not much more you need to do. This doesn't happen often enough. Mm -hmm. For mom to hold you while you're sad without being afraid that you or her will unravel meaning strong people cry. And I'm happy for you too to take, stay, 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 stay. Because <laughs> I can only imagine that most of the time when you try to do this, <laughs> you would have been interrupted. Mm -hmm. Just In holding. In a second. Yeah. He comes and he looks and he wants to find out that Monique is okay, mm -hmm. and he keeps asking, are you okay, are you okay? He is so attached, he's so intertwined. But we're but not gonna bring so him in. Sensitive. We're not gonna bring him in, that's the whole point. Yeah. We're gonna keep this moment mm -hmm. for yeah. both of you. Yeah. Because one of the consequences of your lives 
has been that you haven't had enough moments, just the two of you, just mom and Monique. Even now? Even the most generous, loving, caring sibling on occasion wants to have mom for themselves. I feel bad about that though. <laughs> I feel bad that I need you too. That if I need you too, then it's like, then I, I need too much. You do on somewhere understand that this has worked mm. or do you believe it? You're allowed to want mom for yourself at moments, even if you are the more resourceful child. You're not taking anything away from him. Mm -hmm. I'm taking it away from you, though. Mm -hmm. It doesn't deplete. There's only so much of you. You're one person. All right, Mom, you need to have a chat with Monique's feeling that things. I should have zero needs because my mom is tapped out and therefore I should be need-free. But then I get so resentful about having to be need-free because it's basically inhuman. And then I don't know where to go with it because I'm angry at it, but I can't come to you because I feel for you and I have to take care of you. And then how is going to take care of me and blah, blah, blah. Okay, and we so go into the loop again. So. I have the capacity for more. I have so much love that I too want to embrace you and not just be there for you, but also share with you and hold you and yeah, want to have time with you. And we're gonna do it. We're gonna carve up time, specific time, because I do feel like there's so much that needs to make up for all the years of not being able to, not finding the way to. What do you think about that? I don't know how to feel about it. Mm, nope. I know how I feel about it. And I don't like how I feel about it. Like my reaction to that, it's like, well, that sounds very nice. I don't know if it will happen. I have such resistance. Sometimes when you call me on the phone, I feel it in your voice. Like, you mm -hmm. miss me. And you want to spend time with just me, too. Mm -hmm. I don't want to because because while I want that so much, the, the on-top protective layer of me is just like, I know I'm just going to get upset because it's not just you, it's him. And I don't want to be in that energy that I feel like I have to be in to be around the both of you. And I'm trying real hard not to qualify it and, and I'm sorry that I feel like I push you away. I want to do that. I want to spend time with you. I want it just you and I. Mm -hmm. 
I want that very much. Mm-hmm. But also I'm scared. Of? That I will... Um, that I will reject the very person that I want the most attention from. That I will get there and we'll sit down and we'll have lunch or dinner or something. Like sometimes we try to do or we do. And I will say, oh, you know, this is what's going on in my life and I feel sad. (laughs) And then you will go, don't focus on that. And then I'll feel angry. So the distrust is that you will lure me in to thinking that we can be close and that I can be open with you. And when I will be, you'll close the door on me. It's just just the energy of distrust. I love you. Mm, Qualifying. But there is that energy of of like, I can't settle here for too long. Every time you're about to express a negative emotion, (laughs) You've <laughs> I never knew how much I did it until I sat in this room. Me too. But yes, because I feel like a shitty person if I don't. And I feel like that's, that's what the pushiness is. When someone's like, oh, it must feel like this. It's just like, oh, no, 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 no. They're not getting that part. They don't understand that. That's not what they're getting. And then it comes out as, no. It's really this, this, and this. And I think that's what pushes people away. But it's away. very, very useful. This may be just completely my thought, okay? <laughs> Let me qualify me for a moment. <laughs> We're all going to qualify each other. Okay. I think that that precision for you, having lived in a family where the boundaries were so blurred, mm-hmm where mom's experience is your experience and Mm -hmm. your experience taps into mom's fears and the feelings are your feelings. That precision is where you hold the boundary. That precision is where it says, this is Monique. (laughs) And you don't get it is a way of delineating the lines around Monique. And It's very important that you do that. I always think that if mom doesn't get the pronoun right, it's another way of making sure that your identity remains always delineated. The day she gets it right, something will almost be lost, ironically. (laughs) I don't (laughs) know know why that feels so true, but yes. You know what I'm saying? It's like as long as she has to remind herself, every time she reminds herself, every time I remind myself, I am helping to define you. And defining you has been a major challenge for you for multiple reasons. Gender being just one component. That's only one. Yes. Every time I don't get it, It's another way of delineating. No, 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 no. You don't have Monique yet. With the pronouns too, it's like, there's like the little child that's like, make sure they don't forget me. It Mm -hmm. does, you know, Mm -hmm. you didn't forget Mm -hmm. me, good. I am not surprised 
that Monique is working very hard and will get there at defining an identity that highlights only you. <laughs> Even when I sense people that try and they miss, sometimes it's anger, but sometimes it's just gratitude. It's just, I see it, I see the effort, and I am so grateful. Even if you miss. Mm -hmm. Thank you. A name is an identity. And an identity demands recognition. It's always a two-way. How I see myself and how you see me. How I define myself and how you define me. While Monique deeply aches for that recognition. It's as if Monique is saying, I don't just want you to see me. I want to see the effort that you put into seeing me. When you call Monique, and you just say, miss you, want to spend time with you. And Monique, on the one hand, appreciates and pushes you away. What do you do? I think I go into, I understand. I understand what? I understand that right now it doesn't work for you because that's what happens. The words that are said to me are, I'm sorry I have to cancel. Something's come up. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can do it another time. Okay. If you reach out mm -hmm. and Monique says, nah, eh, whatever, mm -hmm. and you accept it, part of you thinks I'm being tolerant, I'm being accepting, I'm being open. Being understanding. Right. The distrusting part of Monique mm -hmm. says, obviously, she didn't really care that much. Mm -hmm. If she really cared... Mm -hmm she wouldn't just accept a first no. The distrusting part of us says, show me you really want to. And if I don't instantly jump, will you actually insist? Mm -hmm. And not insist because you need, but insist because you want for us. <laughs> so you're not going to accept this anymore. If Monique said, I'm not sure, na 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 you just basically say, okay, I can push it back by half an hour. If you don't insist, I don't experience it as you're being understanding and respectful of my life. I experience it as if you obviously didn't really mm -hmm. want it in the first place. I just keep finding it so funny. I, I nod yes, and then I go, nope, right after the yes. And the no is from the place of, it's not good because it pushes people away. We get angry at the people we love. Can you conceive of that? No, there is a part of me that very quickly is like, nope, that That's makes right. no sense to me. You know that you love mom and you have all kinds of angry feelings toward mom. And some of them you know are justified and some of them you know are just a result of a lot of other things. And you've actually lived with the whole package of feelings. It's, uh, it's more the fact that there is a part of you that says those are legitimate and those are not. 
and you have a whole closet of what you call illegitimate feelings that are not allowed towards people that you love, towards people that suffer, towards people that try so hard, towards, you know, you're not allowed to have a single need because they're maxed out. And then you get all upset because, because we all have needs. Mom too. Yeah. I have a whole closet full of unlegitimate needs. <sighs> Which is why I want you to just sit when I'm in pain, just sit with me. Because when I was a kid, the only person who was there for my own feelings was me. Which is why I get so pissed off. Anger. But she just sat now. And how was that? That was good. Okay, so, Mom, from now on, when Monique wants to be sad, or is sad, period, next to you, there is not much to talk. Actually, your words are not useful at that moment. At that moment, what you did is what needs to happen. And the distrusting Monique, at first, is going to arc and push you away. And you will just take your hand and press a little more gently. Mm -hmm. And that pressing says, I am here. I'm here to stay. You can fall apart. And I'm going to continue. I'm not going anywhere. That's it. That's it. That's right. It feels right. How do I let the anger be okay in me? I can feel it in my body, but I can never fully act on it. I can tell you I'm angry right now. And I feel angry because I feel misunderstood, but it has to be calm. It has to be calculated and it has to be this way. It has to be controlled. Mm Mm-hmm. In the moments I tried uncontrolled with you, I've showed you so little of my anger that when I show you that anger, then it's like I'm a different person. Instead of just... Well, there's a third version. Mom, I can imagine that that's not the way you typically see me because generally I come to you and I tell you that I'm angry as if I was telling you I like this flower pot. (laughs) I'm not surprised you would think that that's a different facet of me that you haven't seen. I'm practicing. We're up for some new stuff. Get ready because I plan to do more of this because I think that the way I've been doing it, I'm about to have an ulcer. Mom's afraid that if she starts to cry, she will never stop. And the floodgates will come up and she will not be able to get back up. But you're afraid that if the feelings of anger come out, you will never be able to stop either. I think it's also that I don't want to... I think I'm going to love you less. Hmm. I don't want you to leave. And that's not a conscious fear, because I never would actually think you... Like, I've never had that fear. I've never... I never grew up with the fear of, Mom will leave. Well, if you think that it's going to hurt me and overwhelm me and break me, then I could die, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think actually you're right. I think that's the bigger fear than actually you leaving because I could never see you actually leaving. Mm -hmm. As we reach the end of the session, I want to go beyond giving the acknowledgement and the permission of the child's anger and the mother's sadness. 
and I want to see if we can create a moment of intensification for each person to actually drop into those forbidden feelings. It also became clear to me that mother and child had not had much time alone for all those years. And that more than anything that was being said, it was the preciousness of being enveloped with each other, holding each other, crying with each other, was probably more important than anything else. And it required me to stay out of the way and to just make that space possible between them. I'm gonna step out for a moment because you so need this precious moment of just the two of you. you are to me. And I'm sorry for all the times that it was very hard for you to not show your emotions because your brother was taking all the room and all the time and all the, all my attention. I know it's so hard on you having to be the understanding one. I didn't mean to push your feelings. I'm sorry if it was understood as you were not important or that your feelings were not important. It really mattered to me, but I didn't know what else to do. I didn't mean to hurt you. And they, for the first time in years, are actually alone with each other, without the fear that the phone will ring, that there will be a knock on the door, and that they will be interrupted. And after that, when they leave the office, I offer to them to be in the room next door, because the session is over with me, but it isn't really over. It's just the beginning of hopefully what will be a new phase in the relationship between mother and child. Esther Perel is the author of Mating in Captivity, Unlocking Erotic Intelligence, and her new book, The State of Affairs, Rethinking Infidelity. Both are available on Audible. For more episodes of Where Should We Begin, go to audible.com slash Esther. Where Should We Begin is an Audible original production. Produced by Olivia Natt and Eva Walchover. Produced and sound designed by Paul Schneider. Recorded by Noriko Akabe. Our executive producers are Esther Perel and me, Jesse Baker. And we couldn't do this without Lindsay Rutowski and most of all, the couples who shared their stories with us. 
This is Audible. You just heard Episode 5 of Where Should We Begin? Esther also has a second show. It's a new podcast called How's Work, where she takes on the complicated relationships that exist in the workplace between coworkers, co-founders, and colleagues. How's Work with Esther Perel is only available on Spotify. You can listen to it there for absolutely free.